You know, uh, before I get into my message today, uh, I'm going to tell a little bit about on myself. Uh, you know, um, there's a lot going on in the world, and so I keep up with current events. I don't watch the news because uh, I believe that the news is mostly slanted. Since 1987, there was laws passed to allow the news to not report news like news. They can uh, trivialize it and slant it different ways, and so I don't watch the news. I read the news, and I try to read the news from non-slanted sources, although they're difficult to find. Uh, but I also find that as I read the news, I have less of a tendency to get stressed out over the slant that they put on the news. That all makes sense to everybody. And so um, as I was preparing for the message this week, I had something on my heart, and I kept, uh, I kept going after this thing that I thought that the Lord wanted me to um, preach on. And so I spent the first three days of the week researching and watching and reading, and I, and I went uh, really, I, I spent probably 20 hours just looking into this topic that I thought that the Lord had me to preach today, and it wasn't until Wednesday afternoon that the Lord said, no, go, to, go, 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 to, go back to this, like, stay with me here. Don't get lost in what's going on in the world. Stay with me here. And so I took that really hard because I thought that I was hearing the Lord in the message that I thought that I was going to bring today. But the Lord said, no, stay with me here. Stay, with, stay where we're at. And so I'm going to bring the conclusion of don't worry, uh, be happy today, right? This sermon series uh, that, I'm, that we've been enjoying, we're going to bring the conclusion of that today. But what became very real to me is that I had spent far too much time paying attention to what the news was saying, far too much time paying attention to what the world was saying, and I was not spending enough time paying attention to what God was saying. And so... I don't even know if my, my wife or my family knows this. I mentioned it to them, but, you know, so many times things get mentioned in passing. But I'm going to share this with all of you by way of accountability. I am no longer going to read the news, look at my Facebook, turn on the TV, or watch a movie until after I have read my eight chapters. Right? So if you don't remember, back last year, it was even, I think, it, I don't remember when it was. I know, uh, Linda, you know, I know you said something about reading these eight chapters. And the Lord said, you need to start reading eight chapters a day. And that was something that he personally gave me. Read eight chapters out of the Bible every single day. And so I did that, and I did that well for a while. And over the past number of weeks, I would do it, and I wouldn't do it. You know, I was probably averaging like about three days a week. I was reading the eight chapters. Sometimes it'd be four or five. Sometimes it'd be one or two, depending on how busy I was. But, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading. I'm reading into what's Corona look like? What's it going to look like when we open? You know, what's this information? What's that information? What's that information? So this week, especially, as I, as I saw after this other topic, I failed to read my Bible eight chapters a day like I had. Listen, I know the scriptures. You, you know that I know the scriptures. I can quote them inside and out. That's not the point. The point is that when we pick up this book, it's alive. This is Jesus Christ in written form. And when we read it, he gets in us. And if we don't have him in us, then we have nothing to give out. We cannot engage culture and affect culture if we first don't get Jesus in us. If we go out to affect culture without Jesus in us, culture is going to run over us. Are you afraid? Are you worried? You don't got enough of Jesus. I know it's like, you know, there's just this old message and we just keep saying the same thing, but it's just never been more true. It's just never been more true. And so 
I make the commitment, and I'm making myself accountable to all of you. I will not pick up and read Facebook. If you see me on Facebook, know that I've read my eight chapters. If you see me post a picture of a flower, know that I've read my eight chapters. Why? Because it's that important. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. All right. Here's the message. We're going to conclude this series today. Let's do a quick recap of what we've covered. Matthew 6, we started in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 has about 12 or 14 verses regarding worry. Jesus said, do not worry. There it is. Jesus gave us the command, don't do it. How many of us still worry? We struggle with worry. We struggle with anxiety. He said, don't do it. And then he gave us all of these reasons. He said, you know, you worry because you look at the wrong things. You worry because you're thinking about the wrong things. Uh, clothing, food, that kind of stuff. You worry because you forget that God cares for you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said he cares for the birds of the air. How much more does he care for you? Come on. Worrying won't do you any good. Who of you by worrying can add but a moment to their life? This is what Matthew 6 says, right? What good is worry going to do you? It's not going to do you any good. Jesus compares worry to lack of faith, and he gives us the key. He gives us the solution the first of many that we're going to see through our series, the solution is seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these other things, everything else that you worry about, that'll be added to you. You'll have all of that you need. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first my kingdom, Jesus said. Fred shared the next week. Fred did an awesome job, wonderful, wonderful testimony that he shared. And the import of his message is that we need to trust God. We need to uh, cast all of our cares upon him. First uh, Peter 5, 6, and 7, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And we talked about this last week. When we cast something, we throw it far away. Think about when you're fishing, you cast that lure out. You have the reel and you reel it back in. There's no reel. We don't bring it back. We cast it away so that it can't come back. But we, ca it, we have to remember, it's all because God cares. We're giving our, our, our cares and our anxieties to God because he cares. Philippians 4, 6, uh, we spoke about this. The peace that passes all understanding. Sometimes, and these messages are all there. If you want to go back and watch them, these, these were good messages. I thought this was a great series. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Love that. The peace of God goes beyond our understanding. And so we learn that we, we can't necessarily depend for understanding and have peace at the same time. We can't hold both, or we have to hold them in some kind of tension. The peace that we get goes beyond our understanding. While we don't understand something, we can still have peace in the midst of the situation. We need to stop asking why. You can't handle why. Stacy brought an awesome message, shared a little bit about her struggles with uh, anxiety and worry. Uh, Philippians 4.8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Control your thoughts. Control your thoughts. Take every thought captive. 
God has given us a sound mind, the power of the mind. What are we thinking about? You have the ability to control your own thoughts. Stop thinking about things. It's okay to take a worry or an anxiety or something that you're concerned about and to set it aside and leave it there and walk away from it and not think about it all the time. Get into God's presence. I love this in her message. Get into God's presence. Get his power in your life. And when you've done that, then you can go back and say, okay, God, what do you think about this? Wow, powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Finally, today I want to talk about one last point about how we can not worry, and that's this, is that we have to live with an understanding that heaven matters. We have to live like heaven matters. We have to live like heaven matters. Heaven matters. You know, I said before, we will, we, will, we will reflect the reality of the world that we're most familiar with. What world are we most familiar with? What world are we most familiarizing ourselves with? Are we spending all of our time uh, watching the news, seeing what's going on in the world? Are we spending all of our time there, or are we spending our time looking and meditating and thinking about the things of God and thinking about heaven? God gave us a mandate in Matthew 6. He said, when he prayed uh, the, the Father's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our mandate is to bring heaven to earth. How in the world are we going to bring heaven to earth if we aren't filled with heaven and we don't know what heaven looks like? Fill your thoughts with heaven. When we have an accurate view of eternity, it will change the way that we see everything that happens on this planet and everything that happens in our life. Eternity needs to become the lens through which we see everything. You know, I hate wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I worked outside in the nursery business for 20 years, to, uh, 30 years. 20 years I, ran, I owned the business. But I worked outside in the nursery business for 30 years, never wore sunglasses. I hated them because they change the color of everything that I see, right? I'm walking through the field, and I'm looking at the bushes and the green leaves and the pink flowers and the red flowers and the, the fruits and all of this stuff, and I'm looking at it, and the sunglasses change the color of all of those things just a little bit, and I never liked it, and so I never wore sunglasses. I never wore them. <laughs> I had to wear them when I was running the weed whacker, you know, safety thing. Well, I didn't have to wear sunglasses, but they were the most handy to have. So anyway, but it's the same thing. We put on eternity glasses, and we see everything. It should influence everything we see and everything we look at. Do we see everything we see with the lens of eternity, with the lens of heaven? Is this part of our regular thought pattern? As Christians, we're not supposed to be looking backward. We're, we're supposed to, um, in small regard, look forward, but our gaze is always fixed upward. We don't look backward. We don't look forward. We look upward. We look to God. We fix our gaze on heaven. We fix our eyes on Jesus. 
All right, let's read some scripture. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Our real life, the life that we're meant to live at Christians is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Our life is hidden. The way our life is supposed to go, the things that our lives are supposed to do, the things that our lives are supposed to portray, it's all hidden in God with Christ. And it's our glory to go and to search those things out and to walk them out and make them happen on the earth. And we can only do that when we get closer to God because our life, our real life, is hidden in God. And we need to discover it. Set your sights on the reality of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. How often do we think about heaven? How often do we think about the kingdom of God? How often is this thing influencing our life? Our countenance will always reflect uh, the reality of the world that we're most aware of. What are we most aware of? What are we most aware of? This week when you walked into a store, let's just take this, like, let's stop for a minute. Let's stop for a minute and let's really evaluate this. Let's get down to brass tacks. Some of you younger people, that's, an, that's a saying. Like, let's get down. Let's, let's beat this thing down. And let's figure it out. What are we most aware of this week when you walked into a store? When you walked into your workplace? When you walked into the gas station? When you walked into wherever there are people? What was the first thing that you were aware of? Hang on one second. I got to grab something what was the first thing you were aware of? Whether or not somebody had a mask on. What was the first thing you were aware of? Whether or not they're black or white. What was the first thing you were aware of? Why wasn't it heaven? We're Christians. Yes, I get it. Didn't make it to my seat. Close. It's close. You know, you shoot those basketballs at the trash can. I usually, I'm usually decent. I mean, I can, I can hit the rim. But that was bad. What's filling our thoughts when we walk into these places? Listen, I'm not saying that... I'm not, listen. Is, it that, is this what we notice? Is this all we notice? Is that somebody has... Are we, are we distracted by the world in which we live? Is our focus not on Christ enough? Why are we worried? We're worried because we have not fixed our minds on heaven. We're worried because we've not fixed our minds on Christ. I don't care. Let me have that back. I'm sorry. Listen, I don't care. I'll wear this until the day I die. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I'll, I got to wear it, I'll wear it. Fine. When I go into stores, I wear my mask. Why? Because they're asking me to. Why? Why? Why am I wearing my mask when I go into a store? Because I can't witness to anybody if I don't. 
how am I going to bring the hope of Christ? If Because everybody out there is terrified because they're all watching the news. And so how am I going to bring... How am I going to bring the peace of God if they're terrified about me because I don't have a mask on? Listen, I could care less whether I convince somebody to not wear a mask or not. I don't care. I want to convince somebody to follow Jesus. I want to convince somebody about their eternity. I want to be more aware of someone's eternal destination rather than whether or not they have a mask on their face. I don't care. And if I have to, Paul says to the Greeks, I'm a Greek, to a Jew, I'm a Jew. Well, listen, church, right now in America, you've got to wear a mask, so put it on and go witness to somebody. We walk into wherever it is we see people, and we're like, what are they thinking about me? What am I thinking about them? How crowded is this place? Is everybody six feet apart? You know... You know, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, we all in this lockdown and, and everybody's attitude's getting out of hand, right? It's, it's all the lockdown. Everybody's out. I don't care. What I want to care about, what I want to care about is the condition of the spirit of everyone that I meet. Yeah, I've got my mask on. I go into the store and man, people are raging with fear right now. And if you're part of the world, you have every right to be afraid. If I, would, if I didn't know Jesus right now, I'd be deathly afraid. Cities are burning. New York City's like, you know, last man out gets stuck with the bill. It's, the virus is everywhere. You know, spiking in Florida. I mean, if, if I were to just give you a little bit of news, we'd be terrified at the end of the day. Without Christ. But... But if heaven is my reality, none of this stuff becomes a worry for me. I want to know the condition of the spirit. The, I want to know the conditions of the spirit of the people that I'm meeting. Do they know Christ? Are they afraid? If they're afraid, I want to bring them hope. I want to bring them the hope of the gospel. I want to bring them what Jesus, what Jesus intended me to deliver them. And I can only do that if they're not afraid or if I can bring them down. And so this message has nothing to do with a mask. This message has everything to do with where is our reality? And if our reality is fixed on heaven, then we don't care whether we have to wear one or not. All right, I have to stop on that train of thought. We'll revisit it again later, I promise. How can I encourage these people that I'm meeting this is what we need to be thinking. How can I help or influence this situation for Jesus? Are the people that I'm interacting with, are they going to heaven? How can I point them to heaven? What can I say to make a difference? What does the Holy Spirit want me to say right now? What are we most aware of? What's distracting us? How can we remove distraction in our life so that we are the most used to the kingdom of God right now? Because this is what we have to do. We have to be of use to the kingdom of God in this day and in this hour. God's up to something. God's up to something. We're going to be talking about end times. The word says in the last days, I will shake heaven and earth once more. What? Not just the earth. The earth's being shaken, but the heavens are going to be shaken too. God's doing some shaking right now. 
There's some things that are shaking. What's going on? I don't know. What's it all going to look like in six months, in a year, in three years? I don't know. But I've got this heartbeat on God, and I know I need to stay connected with him now more than ever. Because it's by his Holy Spirit that I'll know how to respond in every single situation. There was a time when the Israelites needed to stay inside the city of Jerusalem and lock the doors to be safe. And then, uh, it was I forget how many years it was later, a number of years later, it was the same situation, another army coming against them. And if you stayed in the city of Jerusalem, you died. How do you know what to do? How do you know whether to stay in the city or whether to go? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Church, we need our love to be on high. We need to take that love dial. We need to turn it all the way up. We need to get it all the way up. And we can't look at the things that are going on in the world around us to determine the level of love that we're willing to give. We cannot allow the environment that we are in to dictate the amount of love that we're willing to show. We can't do that. God never said, love as long as it's convenient for you. That's not in the Bible. Love. Always, all times, all people. Philippians 1, 21 through 23 says this. Paul says this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on the But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. And then Paul says, yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Paul says, I'd really rather die and go to heaven. And we're afraid we're going to get coronavirus and die. Or get hit by a truck and die. Or, you know, um, anything and die, right? We're afraid of death. Death is second only to public speaking as far as fears go. Everyone's, everyone's afraid of death. I can't figure out why people are afraid of public speaking, but, um, but that's the anointing of God I know. Uh, but I can't figure out why people are afraid of death. It was probably... I remember the day, I was, in, I was in college, and so I got saved in May, went to college in August, and it was before we left for winter break in December. So it was between August and November, probably, probably like September or October, like if we narrow it down, after I had gotten saved. So we're talking like less than six months after I got saved. This scripture gripped my heart, and suddenly I had no fear of death. We're all going to die. Death is a doorway that leads to eternity. And we all have to walk through it. Come on, Jesus. Um, listen, I'm not saying bring death, right? I, I, but what Paul says here is, I, I don't, I'm hard-pressed between the two, whether I desire to... I, I have a desire. I really want to die and go to heaven, Paul's saying. But let's translate that into proper English, right? Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. I really want to die and go to heaven, is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. It's going to be far better than anything here on earth. But 
in the next verse, if I put 24 up there, in 24 he says, but I know that I'm going to stay here with you guys because you need me. God's told me I can't go yet. And so, but do we, are we afraid of death? Listen, if you are so consumed with death, you're not going to be good to the kingdom. We need to get over this thing of death. Listen, I want to live. I want to see my grandkids. I want to see my kids get married. I want to see, you know, Troy come to Christ. I want to see the kingdom of God poured out. I want to see miracle signs and wonders all over the place. I want to see America come back to God. I want to see the world on fire for Jesus. These are the things that I want to see. But if Jesus came to Rome and said, hey, it's time to go home, I'm going to be like, yeah, come on. I know my wife won't be happy about that, and vice versa. If God called her home, I'd be very sorrowful. And those of us who are left here on earth are sad about those who go. But we are those who do not sorrow without hope, the Bible says. Come on. Be sad. Mourn. But mourn in such a way that you bring your mourning to God and you receive the oil of joy instead. God wants to take the mourning out of your heart for those of you who are still mourning the loss of somebody. God wants to take that mourning out of your heart and give you joy. But you've got to bring the the mourning and give it to him. We've got to cast our cares. He won't rip them from our hands. We come and we give the oil of mourning, or the, the, the mourning. We give the mourning. We give him our mourning. The thing that's troubling our heart, we give it to him, and in return, he gives us joy. Come on. We give him our heaviness. We give him our worry. We give him our concern, and he gives us the garment of praise. Come on. Some of you all just need to start praising God. You need to bring your, your, uh, your depression, your disappointment, your dissatisfaction, you need to bring that to the altar and give it to God. You need to cast it upon him, and you just need to start uh, giving God a holy praise. I dance because I can't hold myself down anymore. You could nail my feet to the floor, and I'm still going to (laughs) jump. Come on, I won't be stopped. David said, I'll become even more undignified with the, the, than this. David danced before the Lord. The Bible tells us David danced before the Lord with, weep, with leaping and whirling and dancing. Leaping and whirling. Come on. And whirling. Come on. I'm in. Sign me up. This is my expression. Glory to God. All right. What can man do unto me, the Bible says. All of the disciples were more willing to give up their lives for the cause of Christ because they knew of the realities of heaven. They held this world very loosely. When heaven becomes a reality in our life, when heaven becomes real, suddenly this world loses its grip and we approach every circumstance differently. The disciples were willing to give their lives for this cause because they knew, they knew the realities of heaven. Jesus shared it with them. And they knew that what Paul said, they knew the same thing. It's far better for me to go. 
I'm just going to do everything I can do to convince you that you want to be there too until God calls me home. And this is our mandate. This is our mission. This is what Jesus set us on. But if we don't have a, if we don't have a reality of heaven in our life, if we don't live like heaven matters, then we're not going to try and pull other people up with us. We have to live like heaven matters. When the Holy Spirit spoke to the disciples and said, speak this, so tell them that, go here, go there, do this, do that, rebuke this one, confirm this one, pray for this one, heal this one, go this, do this, do this. They're like, yeah, okay, okay, sure. When, when, the, when the Pharisees said, don't you dare preach in the name of Jesus anymore, they said, listen, you can kill me if you want. Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill the body but cannot touch the soul. Rather, kill, fear him who can uh, kill the soul and the body. That's God. Fear God. And the disciples turned to the Pharisees and they said, you decide whether it's better for us to follow God or follow man. I'm not following man. I'm going to follow God. I mean, I'm going to obey the rules of the, right? And I want to be a witness. So I'm going to put on the mask. I think I tossed it again. Oh, yeah, okay. Their, li their lives were no longer their own. They've been bought with a price. I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a Christ. I am Christ. I've been crucified with him, and I have been risen to new life in Christ. The old man has passed away. My old nature, the who I was, doesn't matter anymore. I'm new, and I have new life. I have a new responsibility, and I have new marching orders than I had before. And so do we all. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Wow. Sorry, guys. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for but a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the, the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, transient, subject to change. They're passing away, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Pastor Matt, where'd you get that? That's not up there. I took that. King James, the Amplified, the this one and that one, and I threw them all in there. Come on, Come on Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom used to preach it that way, and I'm preaching. That's the, that's the Tom Sardella version. The things which are seen are temporary, transient, subject to change, and they're passing away. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What are we looking at? Are we looking at a bunch of stuff that's just temporary? Are we looking at a bunch of stuff that's just going to be burned up in the fire? We're looking at a bunch of stuff that's just going to be left behind one day. Can't take it with you. Light affliction. That's cool. This momentary light affliction. That's cool. That's a nice way of saying uh, trials. Persecution. Uncomfortableness. Light, light affliction. I like that. Would you, are you having some light affliction? Oh, it's so unfortunate. <laughs> it's just a nice way of saying you're going through a really rotten time right now. You got some trials in your life. It's really uncomfortable for you. This momentary light affliction. Persecution. You've been beat for Christ. You've been, I don't know. Momentary light affliction. It's for a moment. 
It's for a moment. We have to understand uh, that this life, I'm going to go a little bit long today, guys. You, we have to understand eternity, and we have to understand the moment of time is that, our, that our life is. Imagine the highway, right? Just, there's a highway. I love this analogy. It's great. We go down here. We get on 787. You head south. And then you can take the ramp to I-90 and head east or, you know, west. And then you get on 87 and head north. And then you take alternate 7 and you head east. And 787 and you head south. And then, right, and we just keep going around in circles. Now, right, you guys get that, right? Now, on an even bigger idea, you get onto 787, onto 87, onto 287, onto 95. You go to Florida, hit I-10, go to Arizona, pick up route, I don't know, go... Go up to, I think it's five, goes up California all the way up to Washington, and then you pick up 90, and it brings you right through back through Albany, and you get back on 87, you go around again. And then there's a million other turns and a million other ways which you can go, and there is a never-ending streaming uh, highway in America that no one in this room, I don't believe anybody in the world could ever drive on every single road. I don't think it can be done anymore. That's eternity. There is no end. You could not possibly ever. And if you tried, you'd miss one. Just because your GPS isn't smart enough to do that. <laughs> and your life, right, that's eternity. And your life in all of this is one of those little tiny grooves that's cut in on the right side of the highway. That's about this big. That, that's your life. That's your life. Six inches. <laughs> millions and millions and millions and millions and unending millions of miles. Six inches. <laughs> you know where I'm getting that from, right, Elf? Six inches. Six inch ribbon curls. Six inches. Your life. Your life. Six inches. <laughs> Eternity. Never-ending millions of billions of miles. And we're worried about six inches? Unending billions and millions and just unending, uncalculable miles. Not, not inches. Miles. Times 5,280 feet in a mile. Times 12 inches in a... We didn't even begin with the number of miles, but come on. It's just crazy. Six inches? This is what we, we need to have a proper, why am I belaboring this point? Because we need to have an understanding of how short our life is. It's merely a breath. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Don't put too much value in this world. Don't put too much value in this life. My life is no longer mine. I've been bought with the price. I am Christ's. I am his. I'll go where he says. I'll do what he says. Eternity. What do we have? We know what's, we know what's, um, Temporary, temporary transient subject. What's eternal? What things do we have that are eternal? What do we have? What can we, what do we, what's eternal in our life? What are we going to have forever? Our spirit and our soul are eternal. They're, they're going to go into heaven. My flesh won't go to heaven. I'll have a resurrected body one day, the Bible tells me. But it's not this body. This body is going to die and decay. But I'm going to have a resurrected body, a body that Jesus brings back, a, a, a glorified body, a body that's even better. 
That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting. No more sickness. No more disease. This is what I'm getting. What else am I? Okay, so my soul and my spirit. What else? Relationships with other believers. Listen, when I'm in heaven 10,000 times 10,000 years from now, I'm going to be walking the streets of heaven with Tom, Pastor Tom. We're going to be walking the streets of heaven together. I'm like, hey, come on, let's go, let's go out and see the sea of glass today. Maybe we'll catch a wave. We'll surf together. Yeah, you will. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Me and Linda, we're going to go before the throne and we're going to lay down in worship. We're going to be there together. These relationships, I'm going to see Linda on the street. I'm going to be like, Linda, come on, we going to the throne today or what? Come on. Yeah. I mean, it, there is no day and no night, so more on that later. We need to do a series on heaven. Whoo, baby. Oh, baby. Relationships with other believers will be in heaven. Love. Love. Yeah, relationships. Love. 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 Love will be in heaven. Love is a vehement fire. More powerful than the grave. Come on. Come on. Love. God. God's going to be in heaven. We have God here now. God's going to be in heaven. His word. Heaven and earth will pass away. The heaven that we live in will pass away. The, the, the earth that we live in will pass away. The heaven that is there, the Bible tells us, will pass away. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new city of Jerusalem. But my word will endure forever. It's not going anywhere. 10,000 times 10,000 years from now. Jesus is going to open the word and teach us. You know when it says this, this is what it meant. And we're all going to be like, I'm going to be undone. We're going to be like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Reward for obedience. We're going to take, we're going to actually get rewards for being obedient to God. And we're going to have these rewards in heaven. I don't really know what they're going to look like. Nobody really does. But those things are eternal. It's good stuff. Wow. I don't like the message translation, but I decided I'd put this one in here because it reads real well. It's actually got a really cool, uh, so there's a good point and a bad point about it. Well, let's read it first. 2 Corinthians 5, 3 through 5. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here are like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of, of the real thing, our true home, our resurrected bodies, the Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Come on. I was so good. I was like, compared to heaven, this life is like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. How many of us have ever been on a road trip someplace and you stop in a hotel? How many of us being on that road trip ever stopped in a hotel? It was a crummy hotel. Yeah. So what he's saying here... The crummy hotel, bad, not, not good. You wouldn't want to stay there. You know, you see bugs shatter when you turn on the light. We're like, we're not staying here. This shack is worse than that, right? The, the wind blows through. The, the, there's bugs. There's mold. It's damp. It's wet. There's no bed. It's unfurnished, hard floor. There's knots in the floor and the wood, and so they're, they're poking you in the back the whole night long. It's like, this stinks. I'd rather just keep walking. That's life <laughs> compared to heaven. Compared to heaven, oh. 
All right, I'm not going to go off on, on message translation. Just know that I don't necessarily always like it. Hebrews 11. I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. These all died in faith. He's just going through a little bit of the Hebrews Hall of Faith here. And he, and he shared about a few. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed. Here we go. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Are we strangers and pilgrims on the earth? For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And if truly they had called to mind the country which which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return, to go back there. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And he, for he has prepared a city for them. Oh, I get so pumped up. They were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Strangers and pilgrims. I am a stranger and I am a pilgrim on the earth. Pastor Matt, if you're a pilgrim, where's your brass buckles on the shoes and your big tall black hat? That's not what a pilgrim is. And those pilgrims that you're referring to only referred to themselves as that because they saw themselves as pilgrims. <laughs> they called themselves pilgrims because they knew they were pilgrims. What is a pilgrim? A pilgrim is a... Is a person who is on a journey to a homeland. I'm on a journey to a homeland. I am a pilgrim traveling through this thing of life to this place called heaven. This is who I am. I'm a pilgrim. I want to be known as a pilgrim. By the way, by the way, the pilgrims understood that freedom was only possible when the people have the ability to govern themselves. You hear what I said? This is, this is good. If we don't understand this, we'll lose America. The pilgrims understood that true freedom was only possible when people had the ability, not the right, the ability to govern themselves. This isn't about having the right to govern yourself. This is about having the ability to govern yourselves. The, the framers of our Constitution said something very similar. The framers of our Constitution said that this government will only work for a moral and an upright people. And they warned that if the moral fabric of our nation is deteriorated, the government cannot stand. America will only survive if, if, if we are a moral people. If we remove morality from our nation, the nation is doomed to fail. Guaranteed, 100%, every single time. Because you can never pass enough laws to keep people in line. It doesn't work. This is why nothing works. This is why kingdoms constantly change. The pilgrims said, we bring up the pilgrims. I had to, I had to throw the pilgrims in here. True freedom was only possible when people, true freedom is only possible when people have the ability to govern themselves. We have to be self-governing. We have to tell the truth. We have to not steal. We have to do the right thing every situation that we're put into or else the country is never going to survive. We can't pass enough laws to keep people uh, safe and alive and living the right way. Can't do it. All right, enough of that. 
Well, I bring all of that up to say this. I am a pilgrim, and I am on a journey to a homeland. It's called heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. And I, and I identify with the people in Hebrews 13 where it says, and if they had recalled the country from which they had come out of, they could go back there. I could go back to being an American, and I could fight for my rights. Is it all about rights? I don't care. I'm not about to fight for rights because this place is not my home. Yes, I want America to endure. Yes, I believe that America is the best place on the, on the face of the earth to preach the gospel of Christ. Yes, I believe that uh, uh, the, the republic that we've built is the best form of government on the planet and the most conducing to the preaching of the gospel that we've ever seen since the days of Jesus. But in our current state of affairs where we find ourselves in America... The church has gotten asleep and lazy. I'm not saying all of us, but many of us. Many people have left the faith. There is a turning away from the church in America. In recent years, we can see a swing possibly coming back the other way. I want America to return to God. I don't care what it takes. If it takes for us to put on masks, if it takes for us to lose our rights so that America turns back to God, so be it. I'm not an American anymore. I'll let you know. I'm going to vote in the next presidential election because I still live here. I still get my mail here. But my home is heaven, and that's where I'm headed. I'm a pilgrim on my way to a glorious place. Come on, this needs to be our, our vision, and we need to be more aware of the kingdom of heaven than we are of the kingdom of earth. We need to be more aware of what God is doing in this day and in this hour to turn hearts of the people back to him than we are about whether or not we're losing our rights or whether or not coronavirus is going to kill us all or whether or not the, the races, riots are going to get out of control or whether the cities are going to burn down or whether who knows what else. What else is going to murder hornets? Come on, people, laugh. 2020 is a funny if you don't take it too seriously. We've had a great time during lockdown, obviously. We need to live. Come on, we need to live like heaven matters. We need to live like heaven matters. And we need to let go of the things of this earth. We need to let them go. We need to let them go. And it's not easy. I'm not telling you that this is easy and that you can do this overnight. Listen, I just shared with you that I struggled this week watching too many videos trying to figure out what God wanted me to say, thinking that I needed to bring a message relevant to the day. And God's like, no, come on, finish your worry. We need to live like heaven matters. We need to be a people that are bringing heaven to earth. This is our mandate. This is our mission. God, what would God say to all of you? Bring heaven to earth. Figure out what heaven looks like and make it happen here. Small job. We need to keep our focus on God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. God, I thank you uh, for keeping me on the right track and keeping us on the right track. Father, I pray that this week that you would draw us away into that secret place. God, that you would draw us away, that we would be uh, in this place of fellowship with you. God, that we would just spend time there. God, that we wouldn't come to the secret place to, to find something, to ask you for something. But God, that we would just go to the secret place to be with you to spend time with you, to look into your loving eyes, to just be in your presence. God, cause us to be those people that would 
would God be so full of heaven that it would just pour out of our bodies, that it would pour out of our souls. God, strengthen every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.